This week, we're revisiting some of our old stomping grounds and seeing some old and familiar faces. We watch Don't Look in the Cellar. We watch it so you don't have to, so you know what time it is. Alright, welcome Moon Goons! Welcome to Horrible Horror, the podcast where we watch the worst of the worst in horror movies. I'm your host, Mr. Marshall Hampton. With me, as always, is my buddy, my co-host, Mr. Aaron Southworth. How are you doing on this fine, fine weekend in October? It is, it's like the perfect October weather right now. It's like 60 degrees, overcast, a slight breeze, and you go outside and you have that... That fall, something about the smell, you know, the smell of the air that, you know, it's like for a couple of weeks, it's like, oh, yeah, this is fall, baby. This is fall. <laughs> it's finally setting in. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty happy. My wife and I went out with our baby daughter went to get some pumpkins. So we picked up some pumpkins for jack-o'-lantern carving. We picked up a good amount of alcohol, got some coffee. So I'm ready, baby. Yeah, I went pump. I did the whole, uh, we went to the local, uh, local farm. Uh, Eckert's. Yeah, Eckert's. Right. Yeah, for local people who know it. Um, for a Friday night with the family, and we did the same thing. We took our daughter to pick out her pumpkin. And uh, so, yeah, we did that as well. So, yeah, well, your kid's old enough to have fun and know what's going on. Ours is still like, wow, that's the color orange. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's made by the color orange. So, you know, we just went to a local, like, uh, little nursery. Right. You, well, yours is coming closing in on the, the one year gap now i my daughter's first halloween she was a month old so we didn't take her pumpkin picking that we waited till her one year i think uh maybe even two years i'm not sure it may have been two years before we took her um i know she was she was walking by the time we took her the first time so uh anyway uh, this week we're doing um don't look in the cellar this little uh ultra indie Super low budget um, slasher was released in 2008, written and directed by Dennis Devine, who we've seen on the show before, and Carlos Perez, also directed by Dennis Devine, who's got 31 credits, including two other movies that are notorious on our show. He wrote Night of the Dead slash Friday the 13th, and he won our very the very first champion of our horrible horror March movie madness tournament of awfulness, Alice in Murderland. Uh, he is responsible for two of those movies, so. You kind of know what you're in for for this week. <laughs> it's going to be a rough I don't one. Know what for. If you've seen those movies, you know where it's going. Yeah. Uh, and um, it gets better from there because. Um, so anyway, it, you can find this movie free on Amazon Prime. Um, the cast, we're going to talk about a few people. We're going to talk about Wendell, who's played by Mr. Randall Malone. This fucker's got 54 credits, including Night of the Dead, Friday the 13th, Dahmer vs. Gacy as well. Um, also movies he's been on in that we've done on the show. Uh, Smiley is played by Jed Rowan. He's got 103 credits, including Attack of the Killer Donuts, where he had a small role in that, which we've done. And also Night of the Dead, Friday the 13th. He's been, so you're kind of seeing a pattern here. Uh, Cheryl is played by Siobhan Castle, 
who was also in, you guessed it, Night of the Dead. Um, <laughs> Melissa is played by Tara Shane. Um, now, this is kind of interesting because um, she is credited as the voice of Princess Leah in the uh, Star Wars The Force Unleashed video game that came back on the Xbox 360 some, several years back. So no shit. that's kind of cool. Uh, Angela is played by Anya Benton. 37 credits, including... You want to take a guess? You want to take a guess, guys? I'll give you a guess. Night of the Dead, along with Dahmer and Gacy as well. <laughs> so you can't, yeah, like I said, you see a pattern here of a lot of familiar faces we've seen on the show before uh, and some pretty shit movies. Um, pretty tight group uh, doing the shit movies, yeah. Yeah. Um, so on top of that, I believe... I totally believe. Oh yeah. Oh, well, I'll get to it. I have it in my notes, so we'll we'll get to that there. Uh, the, you get another layer of how bad this sh- shit movie is gonna be. Um, so anyway, we open the movie at a mental asylum, which is really just some dude's suburban house. <laughs> um, two late twenties, yet still college age girls are in their Halloween nurses' costumes. They walk up to the front door, uh, and I'm using the word costume very loosely here because one girl's just wearing like a white mini skirt with like this skippy blue shirt that's like all rolled up to show off her midriff and like her and her cleavage are popping out and she's just wearing like a nurse's cap on top so like there's it's very loose costume here yeah they're both they're both wearing nurses caps Caps. uh they look ridiculous yeah uh one there's i'm just calling them nurse cratchit and pale face make pouty lips with the coffee stained teeth. <laughs> she is so pale the whole time. She's like, Ooh, yeah. How- I, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, it's a great way to describe it. I, I'm trying, Marshall. I'm trying to pull back <laughs> on attacking uh, someone's appearance because that's just this something they can't help. But this is this is something you can help, especially since you're an actor or actress. And your face, no matter if you're good looking or bad looking, it's always on camera. It's like the main focal point is your face. Yep. So when your teeth looks like they've been, you know, brushed with rust, you know, it's it's not a good sign. Yeah, it's a, yeah. You, you make a good point, man. I can't argue that. Um, so they reach the front door, and the non-slutty one, who or as Aaron says, potty face, make coffee teeth or whatever he said it was, um, says, "Is this really worth it to join a sorority?" Uh, but it doesn't fucking matter because they both end up going inside because for some reason the sluttier nurse has the keys to this place. Why? Who fucking knows? It makes no sense. It's never explained, but she has the keys to an asylum. I don't know. It, sure. Um, uh, inside, once they go inside, you can clearly see plain as day that they're just in somebody's fucking living room. Um, and I love the fact that even though this is supposed to be an insane asylum, there's a fucking cat tower in the back corner right by the front door. A goddamn cat tower is just hanging out there in the lunatic asylum. <laughs> no front desk, no orderlies, no one's working there. It's, it's just some motherfucker's it's a house. Fucking living room. There's like an L-shaped couch and a cat tower and like a hall tree. Like, it's just... like pictures of family members like, on the wall. Yeah, I get. It. Okay, if you're gonna you, you limited by budget, and you're trying to make one location look for another. But if you're gonna try to make this an asylum. Move the couch out of frame or cover it in a white sheet or do something like the, the decorate that. Does, I mean, God damn. So right off the bat, you it's where I know we're in for a bumpy fucking ride. Um, 
So they walk through the house, down a hallway, then up a movie poster lying stairwell that leads up to what I guess is supposed to be the attic. Again, this is supposed to be an asylum, and the stairwell is lined with like Kill Bill movie posters Kill and Bill. shit. Like, because you know, Fahrenheit 9/11, Roger yeah. Moore documentary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you know, when you go to a state asylum, that's what the, that's what's on the wall is you know Kill Bill posters <laughs> in the stairs. So fuck it. And they have a one-way street sign too. That was another one. It is a, like a street sign is ripped off a, you know, street corner. It says one way. Um, they enter this room that's supposed to be a pad cell, but again, the padding just looks like puffy paper that just like stapled to the wall. Exactly and, what it is. And the thing is, they they got LASIK. It doesn't even go all the way to the floor or to the ceiling. Like, it just kind of stops. <laughs> so there's like this clear gap between where the padding stops, like the regular wall is. Um, so th- when they enter, the room's dark. Uh, the slutty one calls out, asking if anyone's there. And like I said, even though the room is dark, you can clearly see a fat guy standing right in front of them, right in the middle of the room. He's just standing there right in front of him, playing his day. And they have flashlights. Right, which for some reason aren't on, I don't think, at this point. But they're like, hello, is anybody there? Yeah, he's right in front of you, you dumbass. I can see him. And the lights come on, and we see good old Randall Malone wearing a hospital gown over a blue shirt. Staying there holding a burlap sack. Just and, sweating balls. Yeah, and his hair looks fucking ridiculous. It's all like puffy, curly, permed mullet thing. Like it's insane hair. Like it's really odd for a wig. And I don't know. Riddle me this. Was this the look they were going for? The sweaty, pale face? Because I don't know. Every, the entire movie, he's just sweating. I mean, there's sweat running down his face. He's just sweating constantly. Maybe. Or, I mean, he is a heavy, heavier set guy, so maybe he's just sweating. But, yeah, like, it's really – he sweats a lot. And the, the hair looks always kind of like – it's got, like, jerry curling. It's always, like, a kind of greasy, wet-looking. But it's, like, permed with, like, curls and some mullet. It's it's an odd, odd, crazy look. It's so weird. Uh, he warns them to leave before Lyndall comes. Um, slutty nurse asks if she can cut a piece of his hair off because they need it for their sorority initiation. Uh, he tells her that he, that, uh, Randall Malone says, Hey, I hide my head in this sack to hide from Linda, which keeps me safe by basically putting the sack over my head. He then tries to put the sack over slutty nurse's head to keep her, to hide her. Um, and she's like, fuck, get back. And so Randall gives them the sack saying, Hey, I think you're going to need it. Uh, before they can go before he, she, they leave the room. He tells him that his name is Wendell. So we have Wendell and Lindell. So great fucking writing right there. You dumbass. Like that's don't make character names. So similar. Like that's just fucking annoying. Um, the girls leave the room, and it cuts to them entering what is supposed to be another cell, but it's c- clearly just the same room. Clearly it's the exact same exact room. same room. Uh, in this one, they find another man in a dark green jacket with long black hair. It's obviously a really shitty wig. Uh, the man stands up. face. He stands there facing the wall as the slutty one slowly walks up behind him and cuts off a small strand of his hair. As soon as she finishes making that clip, he spins around, grabs the scissors out of her hands, pushes her to the floor with such force that it knocks her unconscious. <laughs> Just taps her to the ground, down she falls, blacked out, she's, she's out. She then stabs pouty, pale face, pouty lips, coffee stain with the scissors, 
killing her. She's dead. He then takes the burlap sack, paints a smiley face on it, using the girl's blood. Uh, the slutty one wakes up, comes to, and stands up as the killer approaches her. She begs him to let her go home. He tells her that she is home. Don't you recognize me? I'm Smiley! Then holds up the sack with the blood, sm the bloody smiley face on it. The girl screams, runs out of the room. Now, instead of running out the front door that they that they came into, that, 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 that's the one they entered. Like, why would you, like, that makes the most sense. Run back the way right. you came to get out. But for some fucking reason, she runs down into the basement. And, oh, my God. At this point, I just about lost my shit because it's the same fucking room from Night of the Dead, Friday the 13th. And, uh, God, what other... Uh, I think Alice in Murderland and uh, Bloody Mary. I, I, there's, there's, this room has been used in so many other movies we've seen. It's ridiculous. Um, so Smiley Lindo shouts out something about being in the cellar, then pops up behind her and just and kills Slutty Nurse. She's dead. Uh, and goddamn, this fucking burlock mask, sack mask, looks so stupid and comical. It, it's... It's probably like the least scary killer mask we've seen on the show ever. It, it's so stiff and squared off that it kind of makes him look like a giant piece of like cinnamon toast crunch. Like it's not, <laughs> it's so not scary. It's it's just ridiculous. It's comical. It's brand spanking new. It's still stiff. Yeah. It's like, not dirty. You would think Looks they, like he picked it up from the farmer's market and he's going to put some apples in it and go home. Yeah. Like, like if you're going to do this shit, which I'm fine with the burlap sack, whatever. It worked in Friday the 13th part two, but you know what they did? They wore it down. Like, they crumpled it. They damaged it. They, they made it worn. Like, this is, like, brand fucking new all-star. Yeah, it's so bad. So, now we cut to some small local community college class where we see that the teacher is the chick that we just saw get stabbed to death with the scissors. Yeah, so I'm like pale face and the cowdy lips. Yeah. She's the teacher. I'm like, what? Is this supposed to be a different character played by the same actress? Because at this point, yeah, there's no explanation. It's just like, we see her die, and now she's a teacher. Um, right. And so just like many other, and so many other low-budget movies we uh, we see in the show, we've I've talked about all the time, the entire cast of characters all happen to be in this one class together. They're all there in this <laughs> one class. So the nurse chick slash teacher, pouty face McStain teeth, um, Tells the students about how she, how, uh, that they, some people were killed at the asylum and that they went around letting out all the other inmates and which then killed all the hospital workers. And then they, the inmates disappear. Some urban legend, some, she's telling a what story. Kind of, what, what kind of class is this? Urban legends 101? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't understand like local history. I, you never really understand what this class is, but it's like, yeah, it's very urban edgen less. I think you're right. Of? They said something about class but it's like really you're gonna get that deep into urban legends and not talk about i don't know civil war yeah i i don't understand what this class is either um so the college bell rings again again another trope i've been gone off on many times on the show that i fucking can't stand and it's so stupid because no colleges ring a fucking bell it's not high school or junior high it's college class is over you just get up and walk out there's no bell that rings but here they go the bell rings and the teacher beelines right out the door. Like she's the first one out. She's gone. We roll the opening credits, which at first, and the first thing we see is that this is another David fucking Sterling production. 
So I, at this point, it's from my, and my roster said, so fuck us. It's going to be a rough ride. So not only do you have David, uh, was it David Devine, Dennis Devine, we have David Sterling tag teaming this movie. So fuck us. We're just <laughs> in the shit. <laughs> it's going to be so bad. Um, because David Sterling, if you don't know, guys, he's also behind, like a producer's done, I think, like, Neither Dead. I think he's involved in Alice in Berlin. He's also Bloody Mary 3D. Uh, he was, God, there's a couple other ones he's done that have just all been absolute trash, uh, trash <laughs> films. So after the credits, we cut back, we cut to a backyard pool where we meet Brittany and Jamie. And it's the same goddamn pool from Alice in Murderland. Yeah, I thought so, too. Um. They're hanging out in their bikinis. Uh, Jamie pool shames Brittany, which is weird because Brittany's pool's uh, so small. It's just a small pool. It's so ghetto. Your pool's so ghetto. It's too small, uh, which is really weird. Uh, yeah. Brittany suggests, hey, let's go over to Matt's house. And holy fucking shit, are these bitches annoying. All they do is bitch about how they were so hot in high school. We were the we were the queens. We were so good. And there's they had that, like, like totally like uh uh the accent like yeah like that's how they talk and oh my god it's valley it's, so come it's on. so obnoxious and so annoying uh that's it, kind of the point you know it's I, like, I guess but man it's whew, it's it's hard to sit through um but the creepiest thing about this whole scene is that in the background there's this weird creepy alien mutant puppet doll thing that's like up against a tree this whole time. It's so creepy and odd looking. Like, why is that fucking there? And like, I oh, wasn't yeah. even paying attention to the scene where the girls were saying something because I was fixated on this weird, creepy doll thing in the background that had no, no business I- being there. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. Oh, I can't believe you missed it, dude. I always say go back and watch it, but I wouldn't even. I will never tell anybody to go back. Uh, I think I was too busy checking out chicks in bikinis. All right, I'll give you that one, but goddamn. And, it, First act of the movie should just be bitchy students in bikinis. They make it for a better movie. Because that's all it is. The first act of this movie is just bikini bottoms showing crazy <laughs> bikini party. Yeah. Uh, so the two of them head over to Matt's house. And we cut to the slutty nurse that we saw get killed in the opening. She's returning home from grocery shopping. So now I'm even more confused. So both women that we saw get murdered in the opening scene are now apparently alive. And I'm like, what? Huh? Um, she, when she walks in, she finds her younger sister, Melissa, standing in front of a mirror wearing a bikini while she, <laughs> um, and we learn, uh, here that her, uh, the older sister that we saw that get killed, her name is Cheryl. We finally get a name to her. So she's Cheryl. Slutty nurse is Cheryl. Uh, Cheryl's unhappy with Melissa for wanting to go to Matt's pool party because it's not even the weekend and that she needs to focus on her schoolwork. So she will have the grades to transfer to a real college. Once Cheryl has saved up enough money for them to move out of this shitty town. I know that was a mouthful, but that's kind of just, she keeps talking about this plan of theirs. Cheryl. Yeah, it, it becomes like a, the central theme between Melissa and Cheryl. Yeah. So Cheryl is the older sister who's basically been raising Melissa, the younger sister, for several, several Ten years now. Ten years, maybe. I don't yeah. know. Um, and the plan is for Cheryl to save up enough money to move them out of this crappy town. But in the meantime, Melissa has to go to the community college to maintain her grades so she has enough grades to transfer to a better school. And she talk about so much. And throughout the entire movie, 
Melissa doesn't trust her, and she establishes that right then. She's like, yeah, whatever, we'll see. But they keep going back to it over and over and over. There's no other, that's like, there's a there's a piece of their character there, but they just constantly hammer back to that. Yeah. So that's all you really know about them throughout the entire movie. Really, yeah, it's a great, it pretty much is all you really know about them. Um, so the scene goes on and on. Um, Cheryl uh, also clothing shames Melissa. For wearing the bikini is like go change out of that bikini you slut or something like that I'm like what you're the slutty nurse like you what the hell um anyway eventually we jump to matt's pool party where the whole class is hanging out around poolside in their bathing suits all the girls are in their skimpy little bikinis and some of them look really fucking great in the bikinis i won't lie some great looking bodies um as we meet the rest of our fodder we have angela who's kind of the blonde girl with glasses she's the, the smart one who's just nice to everyone. She's just the, the nice go-getter girl next door type. We have Matt, the jock. Uh, Jeff, who I have only can describe as the overly horny guy. He just hits on everybody. He's always talking about sex with everything that walks. Comic relief horny dude. I guess if that's supposed to be comic relief, it's just bad. Um, then there's Tegan, who I don't know how to describe other than the fact that Jeff is constantly – calling her a prostitute and that's the whole ongoing joke with this and the gag is that we don't really know nobody knows what tegan does people just think she's a prostitute on the sides because they don't really know anything about her so it's weird and lame but that's all i got um unless aaron yeah i mean did you get anything i mean no no, no. okay um but well, she, she's kind of a tough girl too sort of yeah well there's also uh well we'll come up with her uh then we have sarah who, for some reason, is Jeff's girlfriend, despite the fact that he hits on every girl he sees right in front of her, but she puts up with it and, like, oh, that's just Jeff or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, then we have the lesbian couple, Heather, who is, like, the tough bitch lesbian, uh, and Tammy, her hot foreign girlfriend. Uh, so that's the kind of our main crew right there. Uh, Matt tells them that the, he invited them all over to talk about the, an extra credit project for their class because apparently they're all doing shitty in it. <laughs> um, so let's talk about this extra credit project. Uh, during this, there's a cutaway scene of Melissa talking to herself in the bathroom, trying to like talk herself up or like psych herself into going to the party. But then she just screams and storms out of the bathroom. It's a weird scene. I, it's, but it's there. That's, that's, that's how I pump myself up. Anytime I go into a party, I'm like, <laughs> come on, motherfucker, let's go. You're going to have such a good time. Well, I'll stop sweating. You stupid whore. <laughs> We go that's back and, yeah, that's, uh, we go back <laughs> to the party where Jamie and Brittany, they get upset now that the other, at, at all the others, because I'm not going to explain why or how, but there's bitching and they get upset and they leave. They leave the party. And then, they, but Brittany and Jamie then decide to fuck with the others by fucking with whatever they decide to do for the extra credit project. So they're going to sabotage whatever project the others come up with. That's their plan. Yeah. So right off the bat, okay, okay, we've been focusing on these two Valley girls quite a bit. You yeah. know, like, They've been sharing about as much more or as much screen time as Melissa and, you know, like the kind of main chick uh, that goes throughout the rest of the story. So we're really invested in these two troublemakers, I guess you'll call them. Yeah, because they've been the focus point so far more than any of the other characters so far, really. Yeah. Um, so after they, the main group comes up with the idea of doing a report on the old asylum and to find out what really happened there, hoping to figure out what is truth and what is rumor. So they're 
So they're going to go there and they're going to discover and uncover the mystery that's been unsolved for the last 20 years or something like that, that no one else has ever figured out, but they're going to go do it. Um, so they decided to spend the night there Friday night, which also happens to be Halloween. So there's our link to the our Halloween movies for the month. Um, so of course it means they're going to have a party there after they check out and check it out and do their project. So they're going to have a costume party at the old asylum after they do their project. And God damn is the acting fucking stiff and terrible. It is. It's, it's garb. It's dog shit. But at least pretty much all the girls look fucking hot in their bikinis that kind of distract you from it. Because otherwise, holy shit. Um, they did a good job wearing those bikinis, man. I'll tell you that. They do rock the bikinis. I will say they did a good job wearing those. They look hot. It's That's fine. And I guess you need it because you need to be distracted from their acting. Uh, we're skipping ahead a bit to Window entering the basement room, eating a sandwich. Uh, he walks in, he finds some random dude. I'm thinking he's a bum or something. He's just some homeless guy just standing there in the middle of the basement room. He's like, what? Um, the homeless guy tells Window that he just came into the back door that was open. Window tells the bum that he needs to leave before Lindo finds him, but then says, too late. Uh, Lindo literally leaps into view screaming, ah! And the bum looks at Lindo, still wearing the sack over his head, and offers Lindo his beer. Says, here, you want my beer? Lindo takes the beer, sets it down on a table, and then just chops the bum's hand off with a fucking machete, which is apparently enough to kill him instantly because he just dies instantly from getting his hand chopped off. No, no. I love it. It's fucking insane. He, he takes the beer and gently puts it down. Yes. Like, he uses both hands and gently puts it down, then turns around and whack! Just cuts on the dude's hand. So, and then the guy just dies from it instantly. He doesn't get stabbed or decapitated. He's just hand cut off and dead. Like, instant death. Um, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, also, I want to say, if I, I should say this now. Um, I was, window, looks, window looks at Lindo and says, Oh, great. Now I guess I have to clean up this mess or something like that. Now, keep in mind, Wendell is played by Random Alone. And we touched on this briefly way, way, way back in like episode three when we did Night of the Dead and some and Dahmer and Gacy uh, later on. But I we both came to the conclusion that we think Wendell or Random Alone was a theater actor in yeah. college or something. Yeah. Because his acting style is so different from everybody else's, and it's so theatrical and over the top, that he's clearly like a, a theater actor. Not saying he's a good one, but he means, but he's still, his delivery is like he's is so, like full of emotes and just so. He's 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 he, speaking he speak, for the people. Yeah, he he's, speaks very deliberately and enunciates, and it's like it, it's definitely a weird acting style. For, for these low budget movies, it's almost it's yeah, a little distracting from the time. diaphragm. He's yeah. speaking with a powerful voice, you know. But <laughs> like it's, it's but even not that powerful voice. But it's just also just the way he says the word, like the way his his uh, pacing, his uh, cadence. If you, yeah, like his all that. It's just very odd compared to everybody else in this movie. So we cut back to the community college classroom. Class wraps up again. Uh, the teacher wishes the class a happy Halloween. And again, like I said, she just makes a beeline straight for the door. She leaves. She's out. The class sits around for a bit. They talk about their plans for tonight at the old asylum and how they're going like to have a party after they do their research. We jump to Melissa and Cheryl arguing in the living room over Melissa 
wanting to go to the asylum, but Cheryl demands that she stay away from there and stay home. The, arguments get, the argument gets heated, and Cheryl ends up slapping Melissa for being disrespectful and like not listening to reason. And, and like, when, when did Cheryl become mom? You know, this is a sister raising a sister. Right. And she's always like, sweetie, honey. Now, I told you, like, wagging your finger. She's going total mom, wicked you, stepmother. Yeah, she's total really, she really does. I don't know about wicked, but she's definitely very mom mode. She's very overprotecting mom at this point. Okay, wicked stepmother light. Okay, yeah, there you go. Um, at, at, after she gets slapped, Melissa has a sudden flip in personality. Because this whole time she's been very meek, very timid, very shy. But all of a sudden she she just flips after getting slapped. And she looks at Cheryl saying, I don't have any slutty clothes, do you? I told you never to touch me. Melissa then hurls off and straight up decks Cheryl in the face, which sends Cheryl flying to the floor. Melissa then kicks Cheryl in the stomach, followed by the old double axe handle strike down to Cheryl's back. Yes. And then, and then rips her sister's clothes off of her, taking them from herself. So she strips her own sister down and takes her shirt, then punches Cheryl one more time in the face, knocking her out cold. For And then for good measure, at an insult to injury, she just kicks Cheryl in the ass as she walks away. What? <laughs> Fuck, that's insane. That, what the hell just happened? What the shit just happened, man? What? I love what? It, honestly. <laughs> I was so happy because I feel like when you're watching these these movies, it's like, okay, so we have the fat over actor, check. We have the crazy cellar dungeon painted room, check. Cat fight, check. You know? <laughs> it was just that's such I mean it's such a dramatic flip of I'm out of nowhere. Like there's no like build up to that. It's just timid me girl who just then suddenly becomes like fucking Brock Lesnar in a cage or something like that and just destroys her sister for like no real reason. And not just like, yeah, not like I'll slap you back or push you back. No, just straight up kicks her in the stomach, punches her in the face. Like just, it's brutal pretty much. It's insane. So now we cut back to the asylum where we see another bum hopping a wall and he heads inside us too. This must be like bum central. Yeah, apparently. I don't know, but yeah, apparently two bums to show up. Uh, and he pretty much gets insta-killed by Linda, who just stabs him in the stomach with the machete while Wendell, Wendell provides some poorly written, overly acted commentary. Um, it's not much. The guy's just insta-killed. It's not even a good death. He's just stabbed dead. It's another body for the count. Yeah, exactly. And there's no point in this. There's no point in the story. It's just, no, yeah. Uh, Cheryl comes... Comes, she wakes up, she comes to, she grabs some new clothes and heads over to the college where she confronts the teacher, uh, potty face, you know, pale face, potty lips or whatever Aaron said. And we finally learn that her name is Sylvia. So Sylvia admits that she offered the class extra credit, but never thought the kids would actually go to the asylum. Which is kind of fucking, that's a shitty teacher. If you don't offer the kids the credit and then assume they're not going to do it. Like, if you're going to offer it, you better expect the people to do it. You know I mean? Don't. <laughs> Like, that's kind of fucking dumb. Um, so Cheryl orders Sylvia to come with her to, to the asylum to get Melissa, but Sylvia refuses, saying that she can never go back there. So these are indeed the same characters that we saw get murdered in the opening movie. But at, at the same time, so I'm really confused. Like, what, huh? So something isn't adding up at this point. 
they really they really gloss over the fact that these two were killed yeah in the beginning yeah they didn't talk about how they barely survived or anything like that it's like yeah we got stabbed and killed but we're okay we're fine now i'm a teacher and you're a you know single mom baby yeah single mom sister or something i don't know what yeah um so they end up talking about what they did 10 years ago to the night and that Cheryl is worried that some of the inmates may still be there in the asylum. Sylvia still refuses to go, but gives Cheryl a giant maglite flashlight before she goes, which is weird. Cause I, why the hell does she have a giant fucking flashlight with her in that like, just carries this thing around? Like, it's not like a little keychain flashlight or pocket. Light. It's like, like a foot long, like heavy duty security guard maglite thing that she's like, here, take this. Like, where'd that come from? Why do you have that? Uh, I don't know. It's just weird. So we cut to Jamie and Brittany hopping the wall and breaking into the asylum so they can mess with the main group whenever they arrive. They end up in the basement room uh, where they talk about their plan. Like, oh, this is what we're going to do. And while they talk, we see the main group arrive at the asylum. Angela explains how she got the keys and the gate code from her mom who works at city hall for, and apparently has access to that for some reason, which doesn't really make sense, but whatever, at least they tried to explain why they had the keys in the gate coat. So I'll let that slide, but it doesn't really make sense just because she works at city hall. Like doesn't mean you're going to have access to dilapidated closed down asylums and gate codes, but whatever. Uh, anyway, the main group goes inside, they enter and again, they go in the front door and there's the fucking cat tower right there in the background. <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> Uh, I wish to God a cat would have jumped up there. I production. was hoping for that too. I kept looking in the back. I wanted to see like a cat just laying up there or like scratching on it. Like, I kept desperately waiting <laughs> to see that. Um, so then we see Cheryl making her way through the woods and on her way to the asylum. She gets a call from Sylvia who has had a change of heart and tells Cheryl not to go inside without her, but the call's all distorted. She loses signal. Cheryl can't hear or understand anything. And the call, like I said, the call gets dropped. So here, Sylvia has now kind of become almost a reluctant version of Dr. Loomis, in a way. She's a professor. She's had experience with this asylum. She's going back to help, you know, rid the place of evil or what have you, or at least save some people. So she's got a Dr. Loomis-esque type of... Yeah, you know, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like very, very, very Loomis light, very loosely based. But yeah, that's a that's kind of... I didn't think about make that connection. That's that's a good point, man. I, I, I like that. That's 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 cool. Um, so we go back to the basement where Lindo pops up and just kills Brittany by stabbing her in the stomach, and then cuts off Jamie's head in what is probably one of the wor- absolute worst head decapitations we have ever seen. It's so, here you so fucking bad. You have our two annoying. High school, you know, former prom queen kind of chicks who are going to fuck with the group and pull pranks. And, you know, they, they had some character development. And then right when they show up, bam, bam they're dead. They're dead. Just, just like that. Yeah. And honestly, it's kind of a missed opportunity because what you, they could have done is let them pull off a few pranks, you know, or, or and, and then let the main group find out that, Oh, it's Jamie and Brittany messing with it. Cause that could have been an ongoing thing throughout the movie. Like when people yes. turn up missing or, or missing, the people are like, Oh, that's just Jamie and Brittany. They're just fucking with us. Don't worry. It's, you know, whoever's missing is just because they're pranking. There could, they could have been so much more to that. If they let that play out a bit more instead of killing these two right off the bat immediately. Um, right away. I mean, 
I wonder if the girls are like, that's it. Fuck this. We're not doing this movie. They're like, okay, well, we got to kill you off. They're like, fine. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. It, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't blame them. I would not blame them at all if that was their decision. Because uh, the girl who plays Brittany uh, actually has some credit. Like, she actually does, has a, like, a longer list of credits, but nothing that we've ever heard of. But she, like, I've seen pictures of her, like, on, like, red carpets and stuff for other things. So she's done something other after this. So maybe. Uh, anyway, so the main group enters the kitchen where they find fresh food in the fridge, which also has power. And bing, 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 right there should be giant red flags that this, because this place is supposed to be like long abandoned asylum and dilapidated, but yet there's food in the fridge and it has power. But they're like, there's a brand new stove. Yeah. You know, it's it's a fucking suburban house kitchen, but still, but still they're like, oh, no big deal. (laughs) A four-burner island stove. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's a residential kitchen in a fucking mental institution, supposedly, instead of an industrial kitchen. And nobody bats an eyelash at the fact that it has power and fresh food in this place. They're like, oh, whatever. Like, Jeff takes an apple and starts eating it. Um, they go off to investigate the asylum house. Is basically where I'm the house. Um, in the first room they come to is hot diggity fucking goddamn dog. It's the Red Room from Night of the Dead and Alice in Murderland and I think uh, Bloody Mary and somebody like it's that same fucking Red Room. Mary 3D. Yeah, I'm like, oh, oh, they're all, all all of our usual suspects are making an appearance here. Now I'm just waiting for uh, the the hallway that that we talked about. Somebody else, like this one stretch of black hallway. I keep I'm just waiting for that to appear the 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 to close the circle of all these same locations. So, um, yeah, uh, so this is the room they decide to have their party in. So they all change into their costumes. And I'm like, huh, so much for doing research. eh? I mean, they just, yeah, they just come here and fuck the research. Let's just have the party. Uh, Matt dresses up quote, quote, as a pirate, um, uh, because they dress him in a costume and then like Heather, the lesbian bitch starts doing like a, has them all line up and goes like down the line, starts inspecting their costumes and they, and so basically, well, yeah, she's a dominatrix, so she's being all dominant, I guess. Yeah. So Matt's quote unquote pirate costume consists of an eye patch, jeans, a gray T-shirt, and a very very cheap plastic handheld hand hook. It's like the cheapest. It's not even a fucking costume. It's the lamest attempt at a costume ever. So dumb. Um, Sarah is a schoolgirl, but she's just wearing a plaid dress, and so she's really just a girl in a dress. Um. Angela is dressed up in a 50s poodle skirt outfit. So, like, all right, at least that's a legit costume. I'll give you that. That's an actual costume. Jeff is just wearing all black with sunglasses. So, he just looks like a fucking douche. Um, I don't know. Um, Tegan's dressed up like a stripper, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know what to call it. She's like fishnets. Yeah. And, uh, it's just, it's just, a- it's just a slut. Yeah. It's just like, it's like sidewalk hooker look is basically what it looks like. Yeah, she's dressed up as. Um, Heather's supposed to be a dominatrix, but also looks fairly crappy. Not a really good one. And crappy is dressed up as a slave genie. It's basically a genie costume with like a slave collar around her neck. <laughs> She's a slave genie. Um, and Melissa is just wearing Cheryl's t-shirt that she cut up. So <laughs> what the fuck? Like, this is the word. Like, really? Like, you could at least get decent costumes for these people. Like how hard would it be to get like put some effort into the costume? Cause you're not putting any effort in anything else in this movie. At least put them in some real fucking Halloween costumes. God damn. She's 
she wearing a cut-up white t-shirt in her panties and bra? Yeah. She might have like some denim, like booty shorts on underneath, but like, yeah, it says just a bra, a, a white cup shirt over her bra, and that's her costume. Like, god With, damn, like, Chuck Taylors. Yeah, yeah. So, so lazy. But anyway, in the movie, it's time to break out the boons and party. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you like that? You like the boons? Yeah. Uh, so we cut to Sylvia walking around alone in the woods. Lindo just pops Lindo, up next like, to her. Okay, here, here, here comes our Doctor Loomis character. She's gonna be coming in, you know, like we're gonna she's she's gonna play a pivotal part. Yeah, you think so. But nope, Lindell just pops up next to her, grabs her by the neck, lifts her up off the ground with one fucking hand, and kills her by either choking her out or breaking her neck as I can't really tell what happens. I think, he, I think he just choked her out because he chokes her out and she seems she he kind of he, he like gently sets her down, so I'm like, okay, he just rendered her unconscious. We'll see her again. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Spoiler alert. Never comes back. Nope. She's dead. Uh, it just and whatever happens to her, it looks like dog shit anyway. Uh, so she's dead. It's so infuriating. You actually had another opportunity to do something kind of cool with a character. Like and yeah, like and just kill her too. Like a redemption story, or she could have you know come in at the end and sacrifice herself to save somebody else for redemption or something out of guilt. But nope, she's just dead. So again, the fucking writing and screenwriting and the foresight of these writers is fucking garbage. It's terrible. So, so what is Wendell's or Lindell's range? Because she's not even on the ground. No, she's not even on the house. She, he, so we see him kill Brittany and Jamie in the basement, and then he's, now he's just teleported out to the woods somewhere. And really, we never get any idea of how where these woods are, like how close in proximity are to this asylum, which is clearly right on a fucking street. It's not like it's tucked back off some side road somewhere. It just. It's on the street because it's a fucking suburban house. It's just right there <laughs> in a suburb or a cul-de-sac or something. And they're in the woods somewhere. We have no idea where. There's no relation, like, distance-wise to where these are. But he's just out in the woods all of a sudden for no reason. He has no reason to be out there. Um, so we go back to the group. They're sitting around drinking, playing Truth or Dare, because every shitty movie with college kids at a party always has to have Truth or Dare in it. Uh, uh, so the only... The only thing that really matters about this scene is that Melissa goes on a woe is me storytelling time, you know, about her backstory and how she feels like she doesn't know who she is or that she never feels like she belongs anywhere. And it's sappy, sad, uh, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> also, a fight breaks out between Tegan and Heather, which ends with Tegan storming off and leaving. Cat fight number two. Yes. Tegan enters Windows padded cell to find him just staying there reading a comic book. Okay, a couple things here. One, why, 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 if Tegan's like, fuck it, I'm out of here, why would she not just leave? Go to the front door and try to leave. Why would she go upstairs into one of the padded cells? Make zero fucking sense. And two, why the hell is Window get to have a comic book? Where's, what, why does he have that? Where's he getting this shit from? And why is Tegan like, oh, hey, what's up, bro? Yeah. How do I get out of here? Now, like, holy shit, there's somebody else here. Why are you here? Who are you? Ah, let me get the fuck away from you. She's like, yeah, I'm just going to hang here. And, like, you know what these bitches did to me? Oh, I can't believe it. She started having a conversation. She's, like, venting to this total stranger she found in an abandoned insane asylum. What? <laughs> Who would do that? Who is that dumb that would just, like, and have zero, ur like, sense of urgency or self-preservation? self uh, preservation that they would just be like, I'm going to talk to this clearly possibly dangerous and 
same guy hanging out in a same asylum. Like, it's so retarded. So, uh, Teague, again, he spouts out some old fucking, the same old fucking lines about how she needs to leave before she gets hurt, before Lindo shows up. Um, she asks him for another way out. He tells her that there is a way out through the cellar, but warns her not to go down there. She leaves. He calls her a dumb whore, which is probably the best part of the movie, in my opinion. Because she just, he just, she's like, ah, that dumb whore. <laughs> she just walks out. And like, to me, that's the best part of this whole movie is that line. Um, so outside, Cheryl finally arrives at the house, the house asylum. She heads inside. The door locks behind her for some reason. I don't know why. And again, we see the terrifying cat tower. Um, jump to Tegan in the cellar. <laughs> she gets, she, she gets got by Lindo who ever so gently touches the blade of the machete to her neck, which instantly kills her. Like it's the most tender, yes. gentle little love tap of the machete on her neck. And she's dead. <laughs> just, just not dead. <laughs> blood, blood spurts on her face from off camera. There's someone like when squirting blood in her face. Like I like one was like restaurant, like diner ketchup dispensers and squeezes. There's some ketchup on your face. Uh, and she's and dead. is the shittiest generic kind of like psycho thing. Like, anybody even kills somebody, he's like, oh, like, wide up in their face, like, moving their face around. Or it's, it's, it's not creepy. It's not weird. It's just annoying. Yeah. Uh, I, it, this is, uh, I just can't get over how bad. Like, it's just so... Like the way he touched her neck, it but what do you even break the skin? The, how gently he touches this thing to her neck, and she's dead. It, it's it's such bullshit. Um, Angela and Matt now have gone off together to look around. They bump into Cheryl, and they tell her that Melissa's fine, but uh, won't take her. But they we, they won't take Cheryl to Melissa because they're too busy looking for Tegan. So now the shit really slows down. As we get a lot of dialogue with nothing fucking happening for a good stretch of time here. It really gets wears down. So Angela and Matt, I'm skipping ahead. Angela and Matt enter Windows room. Again, it's the same goddamn conversation he has with every other character. You gotta get Angela's out of here. Scared. Windows They're gonna show scared. up. Nobody's They're scared. They're not scared. They're not petrified. They're like, holy shit, there's an insane guy. They're like, hey, what's up? Have you seen Tegan? <laughs> Yeah, like, and like, like he's gonna know who Tegan is, like by name. Like, they say, "Have you seen this girl here? She's wearing this." Uh, but yeah, again, like nobody cares that these other these other people and they're supposedly abandoned a sane asylum at night. You know, it's like what? Like, this, they're totally cool with it. Um, but then I was like, "Why the fuck is Window just stay in this room? If he has the run of the, the whole asylum, why is he?" I mean, there's a pretty nice and very large couch in that living room with the cat tower. Why is he not just down there, like, lounging out, hanging out on the big couch and just, you know, having the run of the place? Why does he stay in this stupid, shitty little padded room and make zero sense? Like, I, whatever. I don't know. Like, he should just be living it up. Um, we go back to Heather, Tammy, and Melissa in the red room. And they're talking about how Melissa's mother died when she was 10 in a car accident. But Heather says that there are rumors and stories about what really happened to Melissa's mother. At this point, Cheryl enters the room and drags Melissa out, uh, saying that they're leaving now. We jump to Angela and Matt, and Angela asks him if he's heard the rumors about the nurse 
that got gang raped by inmates 30 years ago and that it happened at least two times and that there are records of this that her mother saw at City Hall. <sighs> okay. Uh. All right. So now it's now now we're getting into some. Let's try. Now we're getting into unnecessarily confusing backstory bullshit where they're trying to weave. I don't know, like plot holes or, or plot twists, I should say, and like so a nurse. With, with Elm Street twist. Yeah, that was exactly exactly. I'm gonna say Nightmare on Elm Street phrase mom twist. The nurse got gang raped by inmates. At least two times, and there's reports of it, and so I don't fuck. It's, she went back for more. Yeah, apparently, like, and I think that's when you quit the first. Like, you don't. Wow, well, yeah, you get gang raped by inmates. You quit that job. You move on. You don't go back for more after that. Like, what the fuck? Um, maybe she's a freak. Knows. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I don't like to make light of rape, but come on. Yeah. I, I, the, yeah. First time, shame on you guys. Second time, shame on me for going back in that situation. I mean, that's, yeah, I'm sorry. But, um, so anyway, Angela Matt decided to go look in the cellar. Why? No fucking reason. He's like, Let's go look in the cellar. Um, hey, title of the movie, don't look in the cellar. Yeah, but let's go down there. Uh, and they have no reason to go down there. They didn't hear a noise. They didn't think they saw Tegan go down the stairs. There's no reason. Like, hey, let's just go down there. Um, in the basement, they find Tegan's dead body. They run back upstairs to warn the others. Meanwhile, Sarah and Jeff are wandering around looking for a bathroom. They find what Sarah sits down to piss while Jeff stands in the shower. And Sarah decides this is a good time to have a talk about their relationship. And where this they see the where, longest pit ever. Yeah. So and where they where Jeff sees them in a, in a year's time, like where you see us in a relationship in one year from now, uh, it's so dumb. Like this is the worst time to have a serious conversation. You're you're on the piss or taking a piss right now in a dilapidated setting where people are going missing. You're like, let's talk about our relationship. Um. Anyway. At this point, Smiley Lindell pops up in front of Sylvia, who's still sitting on the toilet. Jeff rushes over to intercept him. They struggle a bit, but Lindell forces Jeff back into the shower where he kills Jeff by stabbing him a few times with the machete. Sarah runs out of the bathroom and hides in a totally different kitchen than the one we saw before. So either this house has two kitchens or this scene was shot in a different house because it's a completely different location than what we saw earlier. Lindo enters looking for her. He can't find her. She's able to sneak out of the room, and Sarah goes off the opposite way. We cut to Melissa and Cheryl in the other kitchen, the one we saw earlier, looking for a way out, for which some reason Cheryl thinks there might be in the fucking pantry. Like, what? She looks in the pantry for a way out. Like, what? What? Goddamn. Like, what? My only thought is if you've already ex- explored so much this place, you start looking anywhere you can for maybe a window or something to break. Oh, I thought you had more. I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess, but no. Jesus, I, it's like, whatever. So instead of looking for a way out of the murder house, they decide to have a talk about their mother. Again, people are picking the worst times and locations to have serious heart to heart conversations. Uh, we jump back to Heather and Tammy who are still chilling in the red room. They too decide to go look for, um, for go look for everyone else. But as they reach the door in burst, Lindell, 
Heather tells Tammy to run up the ladder. He didn't even burst in. He didn't even burst in. This is the shit that drives me nuts. They say, okay, let's get going. The door is open, and they're walking towards an open door, and he's hiding behind the door of the room. <laughs> he closes the door, and I'm like, ha-ha, I've been hiding here the whole time. How? 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 How in the blue fuck did this happen? Unfucking believable so bad. <laughs> it would have made more sense if he burst in, but no, he's hiding behind the fucking door. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I probably look, I, you're probably right on that one. I think you are for sure. Um, like I said, Heather tells Tammy to run up this ladder that's like built into the wall. And while Heather stands the ground and tries to fight off Lyndall, she does kick the machete out of his hand, but that's pretty much all she's able to do. Um, uh, cause he quickly just grabs her and does the same bullshit insta choke out, killing her instantly. It was like, it's in a matter of like moments, like seconds. So disappointed. So disappointed because here we have, and she's a tall girl. She's like six foot six, one. She karate kicks the fucking machete out of his hand. And if, if I'm not mistaken, please help me out. Isn't she also in either one of the earlier films, whether it be Friday 13th uh, or pardon me, night of the dead, Friday 13th, bloody Mary 3d or, um, Alice in Murderland, where she has a fight scene, a long cat fight fight scene, and she does pretty good. She's actually pretty athletic. You know what? I think you there. Yeah, there is. Was it Alice in Murderland? I don't know. But yeah, but there is. I think you're right. There is. There was another long ground fight scene with another tall blind. It probably was her. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's probably a good point. I, I think you're probably right on that. Yeah, pretty. I mean, she does the kick pretty damn well, and I'm like, okay fight scene and we already saw her kind of rough someone else up so we're like all right she knows how to do physical acting let's see it nope boom nope. yeah instant dead um so where was it uh, da, da, da. uh tammy is climbed up like i said this ladder that's like attached to the wall and it leads up to this small like loft balcony area for some reason that's just up there um lindo kind of actually leaves kind of leaves her alone and just disappears so tammy climbs down and she goes and she like cries over Heather's dead body. And surprisingly, her crying is probably some of the best acting in this movie. Um, and then, but fueled by rage. I thought this movie was so bad. I thought this movie was so bad. Why did, <laughs> Why did this character get to get killed? Why not me? Uh, so fueled by rage and sadness, she decides to go hunt down Lindo to get her revenge. I kind of like her balls dropping here. Uh, we cut back to Sarah, who is fanatically looking, or fan frantically, I should say, looking for a way out. Uh, she ends up going down into the basement, of course, where she will meet her demise. <laughs> Lindo pops up behind her, and I think he sucker punches her in the kidneys or something, which causes her to spit out some mouth blood, and she dies instantly. So like, we never see her stab her with anything. It's just like he comes up, it looks like he sucker punches her in the kidney, and she's just dead. <laughs> like, just... just <laughs> The rabid punch of doom or something like that. I don't know. It is fucking just I love how you, you, your instinct is to go with a fucking kidney shot. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. Like, he just, it's in her back and she just spits up blood all of a sudden like, and she dies. Like, what the fuck is happening? I don't know. So, um, Cheryl and Angela end up in Windows Cell where, again, he's just standing there. And Window makes mistakes Melissa for her mother, Jessica, 
who we find out was the nurse that worked there that got raped twice. So, bum, bum, bum. I, yeah. Um, and from that rape, from that rape, a child was born, he says, and Lindell, who then for some reason was raised in the asylum from birth or something, you know, something like that. So they're saying Lindell was the child born from the rape of Melissa's mother. So there's the connection. Then years later, when Jessica came to visit Lindell, she was raped again, which I'm assuming led to Melissa being born. So she's had two rape babies from both of these things. One being Lindell, one being <laughs> Melissa. Like what? One, one she raised in a mental institution. The other is like, no, I think I'm going to take this one home. Yeah. The first one she even raised it. She's basically abandoned it there. It basically it just let him to, be raised in the mental institution. The other one she it's took so over. Nuts. It's so nuts. It's so ridiculous. Uh, so Wendell also recognizes Cheryl from 10 years ago and reveals that it was her who let the inmates out. But Cheryl says that uh, when she got here, all the inmates were already gone. So she, what she didn't really do it. They were already out when they got here. So there's a little back and forth on that. We get another flashback of Jessica and adult Lindell. Something about cutting off his hair and cutting out his eyes. It's some weird shit. Um, and he says that there's only one thing left to stop all the pain. He then attacks his mother and strangles her to death in this flashback scene. Uh, which, again, is terribly <laughs> acted. It's terribly acted. It's awful. Um, Wendell tells him that Lindo let everyone out. Uh, even though he just accused Cheryl of being the one who let the inmates out, but now he's saying Wendell was the one. Like, they can't even get their uh, own writing. They can't keep track of their own shit in this movie. Like, literally, 10 seconds ago, Wendell says, you're the one who let the inmates out. And now he's saying, oh, Lindo's the one who let the inmates out. What? Get your shit together, movie. Goddamn. It's not that hard. So, this is, um, like I said, it's just laziness and shitty writing. Um, he goes on to say that the inmates killed the workers and then they just kind of, and then most of the workers and the ones that were made, got caught were shipped out to the larger, more secure hospitals. And, but window hid here and made this place his home after, after everybody left. And he's been living here ever since. So Cheryl finally drags Melissa out of the room so they can get out of the asylum and they try to leave. We cut to Tammy heading down into the basement armed with a knife. She sees Lindo standing there, just just standing there, not doing, just standing there for some reason. Yeah, just hanging out, just hanging out. I, I wish, God, I wish to God he was just sitting there with the beer that he yeah. got from the bar. <laughs> that would be hilarious if he's just down there drinking a beer or something. That'd be so yeah. so great. Like, huh? <laughs> uh, so Lin, uh, she sees Lindo and she charges him, but he just stabs her and kills her instantly. Like she doesn't get anything. She's she's dead. I appreciate the effort, though. Uh, Angela and Matt also decide to go to the basement to find the door out. Uh, sure. Yeah, because why not? Everybody's got to funnel down there because this is the laziest writing ever. Um, they find Tammy and Sarah's dead bodies on a gurney with Smiley standing next to it. Angela, again, not scared at all, decides instead, to, instead of running from the obvious mass serial killer, I'm going to walk up to him and have a conversation with this guy. And she starts talking to Smiley, saying how she's like, "I'm we're so sorry we're here. We didn't really, you know, we just want to go home." He just points to the door. We'll leave you alone. Like we're sorry, you know, blah blah blah. It's okay, uh, I, you know. And she tries to sympathize with with Smiley, 
and it's just it's fucking terrible. It, it's garbage. Um, Lindo starts. He like moves aside. Like here's and like, like kind of gestures. There's the back door. There it is. There's the door. And so he moves aside and like, he gives him the door. So Angela and Matt go over the door, and Lindo he goes over to like a shelf or something like that, and he grabs something. And then we hear him say, he just says from behind, like, hey. And they turn around, like, what? And they're like, you want to say goodbye or something? Like, you're trying to, they literally like turn around and say, oh, you want to say goodbye? We're leaving. And Angela and Matt turn around as Lindo impales them both with a metal pole, I think. I have no idea what he uses, but it's something. He impales both of them through it and like pins them to the door. Uh, shish kebab. Yeah, the, the shish kebab kill. And Angela and Matt cough up mouth blood as they die. Uh, so, <laughs> so much mouth blood. So much mouth blood. Uh, we go back to Cheryl and Melissa. They're back in the kitchen, still looking for a way out. And again, Cheryl looks in the fucking pantry. The, the fuck are you doing? I mean, seriously. What? Dude, we see her looking there once already. And it's a fucking pantry, but she goes in there again to look for like a door out. I don't understand this. Like if it's not there before time, why is it going to be there now? Um, and so just like every other fucktard in this movie, they too decide to head down into the cellar. And one and and once down there, they find all the dead bodies. You know they're all there. Linda walks out of the shadows and just stands there. Melissa says, "You're my brother," and starts to walk up to him. But Cheryl grabs her by the arms to pull her back. Cheryl asks Lindo if he can help them find a way out. And now, again, Melissa has a very sudden change of personality. Again, she goes from the very meek, timid, shy girl. And she just, now she goes like full on, like trying to be insane girl. Like, oh, now she's suddenly insane. Because she turned. Look at him. Got a hot topic. Ooh. Yeah, I'm crazy now. She turns on Cheryl, accusing her of always distorting the truth. Melissa turns back to Lindo saying, saying to Lindo, do you want me to kill my brother? Lindo takes off the burlap sack, sets down his knife. He starts talking about all the pain in his eyes and wanting to rip out his eyes, which again makes zero fucking sense because none of this has ever been covered before. Like and, nothing and leads and up to this at all. Like why are there no, pain in his eyes? If he's talking about his eyes so much, why wouldn't he, like, cut the eyes out of his victims and have some sort of link? Yeah, like the see no evil thing. At least they linked the eyes in that movie. Like, this, like, what? Right. Like, why does he have pain in his eyes? Like, go to a doctor. I don't know. It makes zero sense. Um, <laughs> Go to an optometrist. Yeah. Get you that shit. <laughs> glasses. Yeah. <laughs> so. All this mayhem and murder could have been avoided if he just would have gotten some fucking bifocals. Yes. So now Lindell and Melissa, they, they're sharing like a heartfelt moment. Melissa starts crying. Lindell wipes her tears away from her cheek. And he starts talking about their mother and how he didn't mean to kill her. Um, and then and from they're, clo- they're closing up on their faces so tight and they're sweaty and she's got tears. Everyone just looks gross and greasy and wet. And I don't know what the fuck is going on with their their choices there. Just dab them with a little fucking powder. Turn down the heat a little bit. Jesus goddamn Christ. They're so 
gross and sweaty looking. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can't beat that. Yeah. Um, so, and then, like I said, from out of fucking nowhere, Lindell gets stabbed in the back and killed by Wendell. Lindell dies in Melissa's arms saying he's sorry he killed her. Oh, then, that, that's and he his, dies. That's his, moment. that's his Oscar moment right there. His death scene, man, he yeah. hams that bitch up. Oh, he hams up. It's so overdone. It's so bad. It, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, Wendell says he's sorry, but he had to stop Lindell because Jessica was always so kind to him and that he couldn't let Wendell keep or let Lindo kill her again. So he finally kills Lindo for killing the nice nurse and kills Lindo because he thought Lindo was going to kill Melissa, who looks like the nice nurse. So convoluted and unnecessary. Melissa then kills Wendo with the machete by stabbing him in the stomach. So he's now dead. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) It's just chaos now. <laughs> it's just chaos. Cheryl takes the machete from a crying Melissa, wipes the fingerprints off of it, and puts it on the shelf. Cheryl then says that she'll take care of this, that they will tell no one about this, that she's done this before, apparently. She's, I guess, she's covering up murders? Is that what she's done before? What? And that she will take care of Melissa that their plan of moving out of this town will still work. Cheryl hugs Melissa. And as they hug, we see Melissa go from crying to a creepy, supposed to be creepy, smiling face. Cue the dramatic music stings and the choppy cut zooms in on Melissa's smiling face. Blackout. Roll credits. That's fucking don't look in the cellar, guys. So, so here comes here comes your finale. Here comes he, you you know brother's dead, Wendell's dead, and Cheryl's plan is to just suppress everything because yep. I've been suppressing everything, and it's fucked Melissa up this much. Don't <laughs> worry, we're gonna fuck you up some more. Forget <laughs> it all. Just completely forget about this traumatic event where you finally made friends and they're all dead. And then you find out your mom actually had a brother and then you killed him or you got killed and then you killed that killer. We're not going to worry about that shit ever. <laughs> no, again. that won't need therapy at all. No need for that. <laughs> oh, God fucking damn it. So that's the movie guys. Let's move on to favorite kills. Don't act like you didn't love it. Favorite kill. All right, the oh. kills are pretty terrible in this movie. I mean, they're they're dog shit terrible. But what we got, Eric? What do you got this week? So all the kills involved the machete, and almost almost all of them are just stabbed to the gut. Yeah, maybe stab in the back. You know, you can't really see. You don't see any penetration of the blade going into any body or anything like that. Or so my favorite kill is probably your probably the one you dog the most is the decapitation. Of one of our, you know, of the, the snotty prankster girls. Really? Because it, that's my favorite one because he, because it's at least something. He actually, you see him hit something with a machete and the head goes flying off and it was so fast and like, holy shit. He just like, I, I actually kind of jumped. Like he stabs the one girl then turns around and bam! <laughs> it goes her head. <laughs> it's so like, fast because oh, they, they, they didn't want to show it any longer because they knew how bad it looks. Like, we got to do it as fast oh, as possible. Oh, it looked horrible, but at least it's, 
It's something different. <laughs> and a close runner-up is the bum getting his arm chopped off and then just dying because he, uh, you know. Yeah, because, because why not? again, that's something different than just touch you with a machete dead. Touch you with a machete dead. Touch you with a machete yeah, dead. Yeah, I, I gotcha. I, I'm kind of with you on these because my, my point is – the shish kebab kill is okay yeah yeah because again you're getting a two for one on that uh yeah the bum kill is good just because not because of the way he cuts off the hand and he dies from that i wish if i wish you would have cut off the hand and then like stabbed him or something else to make it better but everything that led up to it it was just so crazy because yeah. like he, he leaps out he literally like leaps out like Knees bent, arms bent, the elbow holding machete, going ha! He literally goes ha! And then the and the bum just stands there, completely unfazed, and hands him his beer like, "Here, you want a sip?" And then he takes the beer so gently and sets it down, like it's almost comic. Like it's like I kind of like it's so ridiculous that it makes it like kind of my favorite. But then your point yeah. about the decapitation again, you kind of get a, a quick two for one. You get the stab and then the quick turn and decap. But but the decap looks so terrible that it's hard to get past that but you're right at least it's something different other than just a, a stab in the stomach like like 80 percent of these other kills so i think uh, i think i might go with the bum even though the way yeah. he, the way he dies is so shitty and stupid because he wouldn't die that quickly, but just the the whole thing with the, the, the literally jumping out going ha, and then and the beer bottle and all that everything that uh, uh, is involved, um, involved with I'm sorry, there you go, involved with that kill like, leading up to is just almost comedic genius in a non-intentional way, you know, unintentional way. Like it's like, so I guess I'll go with the bum as being my favorite kill for that one. So that brings us to odds and ends. Just when you thought it was over, here comes the odds and ends. All right, rating. IMDb gives it a 2.1 out of 10. Oh. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, it's not even on the site. It's not there at all. Um, Amazon gives it a 2.9 out of 5. So just a smidge under 3, which is still pretty bad for Amazon standards. Uh, Plot keywords, there were 46. Um... Wow. Nothing, yeah, surprisingly a lot more than I thought. Uh, nothing too bikini? great. What? Bikini? Yes! Woman wears bikini is a plot keyword. Uh, yes. Woman wears a brawl is another plot keyword. Uh, face slap is another one I wrote down. And then these are kind of, they were, these are two plot keywords kind of rolled into one. We had sitting on a toilet and female sitting on a toilet were also plot keywords. So wow, pretty, yeah, like people searching for those as blocky words. You guys need to get some help. You got some issues. Um, tri- I feel like our panty lovers would have been more in effect if they actually would would have been like in their bra and underwear instead of bikinis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had the bra. That's close. That's the closest we get to the panties. But uh, so I guess we have females on toilet. Is a new fetish now. We have to keep an eye out for apparently. <laughs> um, trivia. I couldn't find anything. Uh, but Aaron. Do you want to play the budget game? They Fuck spent no. how much? <laughs> the budget game. <laughs> Fuck no. Uh, that's fine because honestly, it's a bullshit budget. It's somebody who's trying to be a joke on this and put a, a fake budget down. Uh, oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, you want to take a guess what the fake budget is? <laughs> somebody well, put. <laughs> funny, they better spend the fucking wad. Uh, so, <laughs> Who 
million dollars. Close. One point two million dollars. One million two hundred thousand <laughs> was the his quote the estimated budget for this movie, which is complete horseshit. Um, I so I have no idea, but <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. It's it's five five grand. Yeah, it, around it. probably ten thousand maybe. I would say no more than twenty at max because I know some of David Sterling's production movies are, are have about a twenty thousand dollar budget average. Um, as if he's a producer, so I'm thinking that that would be my guess. Dude, uh, that's got to be a launder like fucking coke money or something. It's just <laughs> putting on putting it together a shit fucking movie and saying, "Well, it costs one point two million dollars." Well, if you sense. look at the picture of him on our, if you go to our horrible horror uh, website uh, and you look at our Hall of Fame, if you look up the David Sterling picture and Dennis Devine, these guys are picked, he might be. You can definitely. I think there's some stuff going up his nose, man. <laughs> <laughs> his pictures are kind of crazy. So, all right. So that brings us to five star reviews. At the end of this day, one shall stand, one shall fall. <laughs> versus wrong, light versus dark. In the end, when the dust settles, who will be left standing after Mortal Kombat combat? All right, so five star reviews. There are 21 total reviews on Amazon. 30% are five star. 30 wow. Yeah, that's a lot. 33% one star. So fairly, a much bigger split than I thought. Like much more even split yeah. than I thought. Um, now five star, the problem is this, all those five star reviews, none of the five star review givers wrote a review. They just clicked five stars and moved on. So there are no actual reviews. So I had to go to the four star reviews to get anything written, which I wrote down to Felicia Hansen writes, loved it. I just watched it. I just wish it would have ended better. I hated how it had ended. Maybe eventually they will have a second part. God, I hope not. Four stars. And Daryl A. Lane writes, Don't be too critical of this flick. I recently discovered Random Alone to be quite entertaining, if not over the top at times, and consistent with making the rounds in B-horror. And he was creepy in this one. Yes, dim bulb college morons get killed off in this, like about 5,000 other slasher flicks. And some can and some can act, and some are just eye candy, like in Hell Night, Halloween, Friday the 13th, and A Nightmare on Elm Street. These move. This one leans more towards prom night, 1980, or deadly deadly lessons, though, with this level of gore and characterizations. It is shot on video, a high def camera, I believe, if the crisp image is any indication. But as any horror hound knows, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. The Ripper from 1985 remains a low bar. Low bar here. There is no new ground here. Sorry, Saw fans, and victims die because they're stupid. This is a fair little film, and I keep hearing Randall Malone ask, why are you here? In that distant, myopic voice that reminds me of Vincent fucking Price. Yeah. How fucking dare you, sir, compare Randall Malone to Vincent Price? And yes, I added the fucking Price in there for emphasis. That's not actually in the review, but God damn you, sir. How dare you? That's why I had to write that review down. Oh yeah, you leave him alone. You do not compare him to this shit. Fuck you. He is a gem. 
So, moving on to one-star reviews. Uh, they're real. They're real short. Uh, from Lawrence Chan, he writes: There is an old, well, old is debatable, and no, it's not Confucius smartass Chinese expression that says, "Hey, yeah, this movie is so bad, you have to wash your eyes after watching this." I haven't been able to watch even five minutes skipping around. I would imagine Bosch and Lamb Lam makes a reliable eye wash product. In the event of an emergency, any generic brand will do one star. All right, so moving on to Don Rodriguez. This is just weird. Um, and doesn't it really make any sense. But So Don Rodriguez right? I haven't seen the movie yet, but it looks good. One star. <laughs> I try to follow that logic in your head and without like I think that's, giving I, yourself a migraine. I think, <laughs> I think that's the perfect review for this movie. It, it encapsulates so much with this movie. They nailed it. I haven't seen it yet, but it looks good. So I'm going to give it one what? star. Not a three star, not a four star for looking good. A one star, but I haven't seen it yet. I don't know I why, don't but I love, I, I fucking love this review because it's so like just insane. Like the insanity, the insanity logic of this review is it, it breaks your brain trying to think about it. It's, it's so, so simple, well. but so convoluted. It makes no sense. It ties so well to the absolute <laughs> insane ridiculousness of this horrible movie. <laughs> I don't know if I should even read the last one. It's, but I, I just want to end it. Fuck it. I'm just going to end it on that because fuck it. <laughs> so, all right. So there's, there's, there, that's what I'll be when I think about it. Aaron, what, what, that's what, what are you going to wrap up with this one? <laughs> this movie, I, I feel like they just left so much on the table that they could have used. Yeah, it's such a shitty low-budget movie. But you've got eye candy. All right. You know, you got some decent eye candy. Do we get any boobs? Nope. Okay, do we get any butts? Nope. Do we get any, like, flirty, horny scenes? Nope. All right, fine. But still, bikini babes. Right on. Then you have the two girls who are, like, going to be the pranksters. They can be, like you said, you nailed it. They can be causing mischief and causing confusion and, like, are they really killers? It's Halloween. They're playing pranks. So-and-so looks like they're dead. They're not dead. Yes, they are really dead. You know, that was right there. Then you had the Dr. Loomis kind of chick with the pale face, McPowdy lips with the coffee-stained teeth. Could have been a more interesting character, more like you said, a redemption story character. Someone who actually does something, saves someone's life, actually has more insight into the killers because she's the historian. Oh, I felt like they could have done so much more with it, and they just shit the bed. Just so bad. The killer pops out at random places for random reasons at random times and random deaths. There's no fucking fear about this guy. He's just a dude in a burlap sack. <laughs> so bad it's scary. Yeah, um... All right, my, I don't even know if I can sum it up, so I'm going to let Christian Bale sum up my words for me. No! No! That's all you get. That's all I got to say about this movie. <laughs> I, everything Aaron said about Christian Bale, I said, that's it. I, fuck this movie. It's garbage. Uh, do not watch it. Uh, unless you're drunk with a group of friends that you want to laugh at it, then maybe. 
but just at Christian Bale. No, no, no. <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. All right. So there, there is one scene. <laughs> there is one scene you didn't talk about, which I'm very surprised you didn't talk about. All right. Uh, keep in mind, a lot of this I, when I was writing my notes, I was skipping. It was, I. It was like it was my second watch through this movie. When I was doing notes, and I was kind of was trying. I. I was trying to shorten it up as much as possible, so uh, I know, it's I know. possible I might have I skipped something up. Skipped. I appreciate that, but I was very curious. You didn't talk about the retard scene when they have a they're talking at the pool. The two oh yes yes, party, and then then someone's like, "Oh, those guys are retarded," and then she, they're like, "Don't use the R word." No, I, you like, know what? I did ganging I, up on them like we don't say that. So and so's sisters that mentally challenged. I, 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 like, I here's my thing. I'm like, Marshall, 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 Marshall. <laughs> yes. And, it's, and honestly, that's the first thing I thought too. I got there like, oh God, Aaron is going to drill this home. He's going to lay in me for this one. Uh, Cause I thought the same thing. Like I, I remember I didn't write down. Cause when I was trying to shorten up these, these, that, that long pool scene where just nothing was really happening. And I figured I, I kind of forgot about it. You brought up, but I, at the time when I was making my notes, I was like, because we were supposed to do this movie like two weeks ago, and it kept getting pushed off. Um, but I, I, I was like, oh, Aaron's going to bring that up for sure, because that's the same shit he gives me off air about saying when I say retard. And he's like, dude, you can't keep saying that. And like, this is exactly what Aaron's going to – he's going to grab to this. I know he is. And you did. You, you totally did. You cannot, I think you even tried. I think you tried, and then you just gave up. <laughs> you, you were doing a pretty good job of getting it out of your vocabulary, getting it out of your wheelhouse, but then you're like, fuck it. You know what I have to blame for that? I blame Nachos McWerewolf. Because he's like been like, he, he's been like a, a, egging me on. He's kind of like, dude, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> Just you be you, man. And I'm like, you know what, Nachos? You're right. Fuck <laughs> that. Uh, so. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So that's us for this week, guys. Um. We'll be back. We're gearing up to, you know, we got, got what? One more week to Halloween. So we got yeah, uh, Halloween's on yeah. a Saturday this year. So we'll probably do like November 1st. Even though it'll be November. We'll probably still do a Halloween movie to close out our Halloween. Actually, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards doing another Halloween movie. So we get four actual Halloween movies in this year. Um, but in the so, meantime. Uh, speaking, speaking of Halloween, speaking of Halloween, um, I know we talked about it before. Have you had a chance to watch Halloween 2018 yet? Well, I told you last time I've seen it before. Yeah, I watched it. Um, well, when, you said you wanted to watch it again this year. Yes, I did. I, I started watching it, but I got, kept getting interrupted because my daughter kept getting out of bed. So I, I just like, okay, I, I can't. I gotta stop. I can't. I'm not gonna get through this. But eventually, I was able to go back and, and finish it. And nice. Um, so yeah, I did finally get Halloween 2018 back a view under my belt. And I was watching it. And I will say, uh, goddamn, I, I'm still I've. To me, the Halloween series has by far the best fucking music in horror movies. Uh, now, don't I don't want people coming at me saying, "Oh, well, Dario Argento, Suspirilla, or this, these, these are like fuck you." I haven't seen all these movies. To me, these are movies I've seen, and to me, the Halloween music is to me is by far the best. Um, that it's so classy, can't beat. And then I, I'm so toned that I can't reproduce. But there's this the music that's playing. Uh, when uh, the granddaughter, I forget her name in that movie, but I can't, the new Lori, the, the, the new main girl. Um, yeah. She's running through the streets. She's running, and uh, I can't remember if this is after she finds her friend dead on the gate or if it's after. It's when she, she first 
It's or, when she first sees Michael Myers. Yeah, and I, 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 the music, there's the, the actual music. I can't replicate with my voice or doing. But then it hits like just like, and then music, and like it's so good. Like oh, that's so fucking awesome. It's so intense. It really adds to the feel of it. And like and it's like this music's awesome. And there's some really good scenes and and, and uh so yeah like it's 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 an enjoyable good movie um yeah uh so yeah I did find there's James Crenshaw um I watched it yeah yeah I watched uh Bride of Frankenstein for the first time in like 32 years wow that's old school <laughs> it is it is old school man I went I went all the way back to I think 1935. You there? But the other insane doctor, Dr. Pretorius. The other insane doctor, Dr. Pretorius. And he has these people that he shrunk down. And for like, there's like a 10 minute scene where he's showing off these miniature people in these glass vials that he's he's created. I'm like, what the fuck? I don't remember that at all. (laughs) This is weird. And I think it was just a way for a director to show off his camera tricks in 1935, you know? But it had nothing to do with the story. It had nothing moving forward, anything. But they, I forgot all about this shit. Man, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but it was good. It was. It was definitely the probably my favorite Frankenstein film. Really, that's cool. That's really cool. So far, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm trying, trying to get back into a little bit more classic horror. A lot of stuff I haven't seen. I like the original, but not a lot really happens. The second one. You know, Bride of Frankenstein. It's yeah. been so long since I've seen it. Yeah, I mean, Frankenstein I got- is classic, but yeah, it is. It's a slow. There's very. It's so slow. Very little happens to the end. It's so. There's and very little. Short movies. They just feel so long. Yeah, yeah, because nothing's happening, and they're so outdated. But yeah, um, there's redeeming factors to them, though. But anyway, uh, we're gonna wrap it up, guys. So, uh, all right, thanks, Moon Gooch, for listening. We love you. Appreciate you. Uh, we'll check back with us next week for a new episode. And you know what to do in the meantime to watch more horror movies. And remember. You always, always keep it tight.